people have to recognize how running has never been truly open and available because, you know, we've been struggling. Any day I go for a run, like I will never regret that, even if it's the worst run of my life. Because, you know, I, I, what I say often is the minute running stops teaching me stuff, like I'll stop running. Racism is not about being good or bad. It's about buying into a system. And I think that's, I hope this chapter is helpful for um, black and brown people, but also for white people to understand that when we're upset about things and when we're saying things, we're not saying you white person are bad. We're saying the system that prioritizes you is what's bad. And that's what we want to change. And we want you to be upset about that too, because guess what? White supremacy isn't good for you either. I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Possible, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, super hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black writers every single two black two. back with another one a special episode special. black you know this is one of the we did the black tastemakers we we called it that last year we're gonna we're gonna stick with that because we're doing that year around super excited for our guests but joshua finish us off with this intro get it get it in bro i don't i'm pretty sure this is third appearance is yep. this the third is this the most ever on the podcast on the two black runners podcast i think as soon enough we're gonna have to hang this person's place in the rafters of the most two definitely. black runners hall of fame you know what i mean she is a mother she is a co-chair of the running industry diversity collect coalition of brooks ha run happy activate a kcts9 host like, yeah, hold on, hold on, a Wazelle <laughs> sponsored athlete with their own clothing line for sale right now, A and B, a collection she wanted to embody black history, black present, and black futures, and the author of Running Wild Black. Go we talk right about now. all that today. We talk about Allison, Mariella, Desir on the podcast with us. It's, it's exciting to be back. It's exciting to be back for you back on. Thank you so much. I think of you as my brothers, my co-conspirators, and I just, I love watching you fly and I'm excited to be here as always. Appreciate that for sure. And I, I think of you the same, big sis, especially like after reading Running While Black, reading the book, I'm like, man, we have so many parallels. Mm. I feel like there is so much I love, like, I really love that you're doing all these different, you're doing so much things that I want to do. Like, mm. honestly, like you are low key, my mentor from afar. Mm. So Aww. reading your book, I went back and listened to our podcast mm. when we were at the conference mm -hmm. and you said you wanted running leaders to relate, you know, relate and feel seen. 100% did that. 100% did that for me. So I just want to give you your kudos on that. You Thank know, just to you. start off. Thank you. It's it's so good to hear because, I mean, the book is in the pre-order time and it'll be out soon. So not that many people have read it. So every time I get feedback, I'm like, oh, it's it's working. Yay. Thank you. And I will say for me, let me put it out here, a disclaimer. I don't like to read. I'm not a big reader. I want to read more, though. And so but being able like to get the book, like that's an honor just in itself mm. to trust us. 
with this right here. Like, I, I really do honor, like, take honor that I wanted to get this. I even got the book. I set it up. You feel me? In my, uh, my background. In the I shop. love it. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, it is an easy read, though. Aaron was telling me about that. It definitely is an easy read. There are some big words in there, too, though. Mm-hmm. I had to look up those words <laughs> up. And I, I had my pencil. I was writing it down. I felt like I was, like, really studying it and, like, took a lot away from, like, the book. I'm going to try mm-hmm. and keep on finishing it all the way through because, like, I think there's certain things, especially, and I think we're talking to, like, the audience that you want to sell to. And mm-hmm. so, like, if anybody that feels like, man, I don't know if I should get this book, book because I'm not a big reader or anything like that. I think once you start to sink into your teeth into something that you really love, especially mm-hmm. like I love running and I'm black. Mm-hmm. So like this is right up my alley and it has a lot of parallels, kind of like what Aaron was saying, that like you're naturally just gonna want to keep on reading and it's gonna feel easier. You know what I mean? I feel like Aaron experienced that. I also say like if you're not black, I still think you will really enjoy this book because yeah. this book is a journey. It is a journey from someone that you see their whole upbringing you see them when they were you know down at their lowest Mm. and how they found found something that led them really to their purpose into where we're at now so i think it's just an incredible story and as you just heard joshua list off all the different things that allison does (laughs) <laughs> you're going to find out how she did those things. Mm. So if you're anyone that's just interested in running for sure, or you're interested in a story of like triumph and con- mm. and conquering and so and growth and, mm. and, and growth and getting out of, of, of a hard place, I think it's very motivating. It's very inspiring. So I think it's a great, a great read for anyone, but Allison, we just gave you a whole bunch of flowers right now. I know. We just really gassed you up right I now. I know. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I also want to add that there is an audiobook. I've been recording the audiobook, and it's such a cool experience because, um, you know, it's like you start to really think about the power of your voice. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of dialogue in my book. So I'm like playing around with my voice and doing all this fun stuff. So, yeah, if like physically reading a book is not your thing, um, get that audiobook. And yeah. I feel like that's exciting too, because like I was mar- like I said, I was marking my book like just my pencil. Mm. I like I like just regular pencils. This is a small pencil I'm using, but I'm using my pencil. And at certain points, like I was putting like ha ha ha. Yeah. Like, certain <laughs> points, because like now nah, you really have me laughing. Like yeah. there's a hey, let me tell you, there's some people in this book. You feel me? I go like, come on, man. Like really? Like you, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So like there definitely are some parts like I, I'm like laughing. I think it's just like the culture thing, you know? Like yeah. If you, those you have we have the similar experiences definitely as runners and being black and, and distance running so like yeah i was i was definitely laughing throughout so i think it will be interesting to hear the audiobook then to hear the inflection like in your yes. voice during certain points like it'll definitely make you laugh i love that thank you but allison like joshua just said you got a clothing line now with uh wazel the am am uh amd and then you're a tv you're a tv host so i'd love to hear a little bit more about yeah. that but yeah. your schedule is always crazy. Like, how, how are you doing right now launching this, launching the clothing line and doing all these different things? Yeah, thank you. It's, you know, it's so exciting. And I think through reading my book, you do get a taste through my upbringing and just, um, you know, through my parents, my education, and also just like who I've always been as a little kid doing a million things at once. And what's so special about this moment is that I'm able to explore 
every side of myself, right? Mm. Like being a TV host was not something I didn't ever really think about it. I sort of wished I could be a VJ on MTV back in the day because it looked like so much fun. But it wasn't like something I really thought about. But it was an opportunity that was presented to me um, by this woman. I had been on a panel with her. And when she found out I was moving to Seattle, she had just gotten a role at the local um, PBS station, Cascade Public Media. And she asked me, have you ever wanted to have your own TV show? I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, um, sure. And she's like, all right, put together a proposal. And I put together this idea to have a show that gives platform to the Black, Indigenous, people of color reclaiming the outdoors. So mm. this summer, one of the many things I've done is, um, you know, connect with people in the outdoors, people um, who are uh, cycling, people who are hiking, uh, people who are fishing, right? And profiling these people. And I'm excited to share their story. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, I'm always busy, but feeling really, really fulfilled. And I'm able to tell my story, but more than that, like tell other people's story, which is just so cool to be part of. Wait, that sounds crazy. Like, yeah. You fly, a- fly fishing and kayaking. I'm trying all this stuff. I went climbing, like, you know, shit that black people don't do. Yeah, we, we do it. <laughs> we do it. Yeah, that's a that's a such a good like because we've been talking to some people too, just about like in the outdoor space, in the trail running space, mm-hmm. and like wanting to do things like that, and to see like you actually doing these things, like being a trailblazer mm-hmm. in such a way, and like how you're doing it. I feel like even this book, Running While Black, is is mm-hmm. trailblazing in, I, yeah. in that sense. You know, you know what I mean. Like yeah. during this as you go through this book tour and everything and, and all the things that you're doing, is that, is that like hitting you more and more like realizing the importance of, of all of all this? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, representation we know is critical and, um, and also making sure that people know that these things that seem scary for valid reasons, right? Like one, because our safety is often compromised in these spaces, our physical, psychological safety, Um, two, they can be expensive. They can be far away. You go through your head about like, how do I do this? Right. So having somebody, um, like you, who you can connect with showcase these things is everything. And it's the same way for me too, right? Like on this TV show or even, you know, things that I mentioned in my book, it's because other people, um, have welcomed me in, have taken me under their wing. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Like I just, I know the huge impact you can make on people because I've experienced it and I've helped other people. So it's like, yo, come on, let's go. Let's do some. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's so fitting because like in your book, you talk about, you know, the reason you started to run the marathon is you saw, you know, one of your, Mm. one of your black friends doing it. And if it, you know, not for that per you seeing that person, Yep. Who knows? Who knows if you're if you're where you're at today and doing what you're doing today. So that is just fitting that, you know, exactly. years down the line, you stayed you stayed with it. And now you're hosting this show, introducing people to the outdoors. And one other thing you said was like how you're like, yo, like we do this. You don't think black people mm. do this. We do this. I love how you opened up the book with that timeline mm. of history. Can you can you talk about why? What, yeah. uh, what inspired you to do that? Yeah. So, um, you know, the beginning of my book, you'll see a timeline. On one side, you see running history. On the other side, you see uh, what I'm calling Black people's reality. 
And the idea for this timeline, two things prompted the idea for this timeline. One, I was reading about, you know, the so-called beginning of long distance running and Bill Bowerman um, hosting that run at Haywood Field in 1963. And I was like, 1963, what were black people doing in 1963? And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> we didn't have anywhere to live. We were fighting for the right to vote. Um, you know, Martin, there were marches on Washington. It's like, so at the same time that this man, this white man in Oregon, the whitest state in the country that forbade black people from living there, the same time he was saying like, let's go outside and run, black people were fighting just to exist. The other piece I remember um, looking at the date of 1897, which is the date that um, of the first Boston Marathon, I believe, or the date of the BAA was founded. And I remembered from history class, 1896, Plessy versus Ferguson, right? Which was the case um, that led to Jim Crow segregation. And I was just like, holy crap. There are two different worlds here. Yeah. There's the white world, uh, which essentially was the running world. And then there was the black world where, you know, no wonder we weren't um, being centered or talked about, even if we were in fact doing these things, which we were, read my book, Right. But no wonder we weren't getting spotlighting spotlighted. No wonder why it was so much more difficult. Right. No wonder why Ted Corbett um, was missing some events because he couldn't travel safely through this country and he couldn't find somewhere to sleep before a track meet. Right. So Crazy. I was like, OK, like we got to put this side by side and people have to recognize how running has never been truly open and available because, you know, we've been struggling. Yeah. And like running is such a, you know, running is such a freeing thing, you know, like in, in, in the sport itself and be able to do that and be able, but be able like to separate that time to go out and like have go for a run, literally leave like your home where you're the safest to do that. Like you have to have a feeling of a, like absolute freedom in, in a mm -hmm. sense, you know, mm -hmm. and to, to be like completely held back during those times, those hard times. It's all like, it like running is not on your mind. It definitely was a leisure sport, and definitely when you're not doing it for like competition or something like that. So like, I think that that is like to open up your book in that way is super great. And what I realized too from just reading, reading this, I read mostly the first half too. And I know we said we, we cousins, we we brought brother sister. Like Allison, you're lucky a nerd. Like I'm being real. Here. I know. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like, I'm super nerdy. I'm I'm super nerdy. Y'all, you you got me. <laughs> like, but that was that was cool though to like see like just how you were breaking things down and you as like a kid and like how you how you consumed everything. Yeah. I was like that really shaped you to the person that you were today. Like, man, like you were like in the books, like in the yeah. library, like for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's so funny that you you say that because. Um, it's so true. Like I just, and I credit my parents to this. My parents were always like putting a book in my hand and teaching us things and having these like intense conversations around the, around the world that I didn't really understand, but I just like came to understand them. And yeah, I've always been curious about the world. If, if there's one thing I teach my son, it's going to be to be curious and don't believe what you read. Right. Because mm. what you read um, historically and still presently is written by people who have the money, the time, the power, right? Mm -hmm. I, I just read a statistic that in 2020, the New York, in 2020, the New York Times reported that only 5% of books published are by people who are non-white. 
right? So five oh, percent. Wow. So I'm one of that. Those five percent. Think about how many people there are in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so think about how many books have been written from a perspective of having this kind of power, the power connected with being white, right? Of course, white people have their struggles. White people also grow up in poverty. White people are also disabled, LGBTQ, and have um, you know struggles because of those marginalized identity. But I'm talking about the particular power that comes with being white, being always seen in spaces, being assumed to be um, you know correct, and the normal and the default, right? Like that's our history books, y'all. <laughs> that's ev- that's most everything we consume. Think about all the podcasts, right? Yeah. Like it's y'all are the exception, and it's not because we aren't exceptional. <laughs> it's for other reasons. Most definitely, and like just knowing your history and your culture is so important. You know, mm. you talked about your dad being Haitian and Mm. your mom, uh, Colombian. Mm -hmm. And it's just like them talking about where you came from and everything. Mm. And then you're going and doing these book reports in class. And like, I relate to that because I remember like my dad, I remember my dad told me about Malcolm X, like at a Mm. young age and why his last name was X. Mm. And I remember like learning about like Jesse Owens, like at Mm. a very young age doing a book report on him, like in class and like the sense of pride that yeah. like that came with that and knowing yourself but it's still it's just though it's a weird it's a weird space to be in when you're still like when you're in these white spaces that mm-hmm. you talk about like you know all this about yourself and then you're still mm-hmm. in these white spaces that are you know it's just I don't even know it's just an interesting interesting yeah. space to to be in how do you like now that you have like a son mm-hmm. you know what I mean like and I, well, the chapter I'm reading right now, you're talking about like, man, am I making him like too comfortable? How do I mm. teach him to like, kind of like master this skill? Yeah. In in these in these areas, because it's like a part of being being black in America. It's a part of me and Joshua being two black runners, like yep. being two black cross country runners, and you're and and you're super into the industry. Is yeah, I mean, you know, I think we spoke a little bit about this um, when we in our last podcast and um, Josh had his hair big and I was saying how beautiful his hair was and how I loved um, just that he's taking up all that space and being his authentic self. But also it made me really nervous for him because he drew a lot of eyes, right? Like this young, attractive, smart black man with with a fro, right? Like. That means that more eyes are, are on you. That means that when you walk into a place, people are looking at you even more than they would before. Racist people um, start to develop ideas about what, who you are and what it means for you to be in spaces. And you could get killed because of it, right? Because you make people uncomfortable. So what I'm talking about in the book is with my son, Corey, even his name, Corey Henri, Corey Henri. Corey means to run because it's been foundational in my life. And Henri, he's named after Henri Christophe, which is one of the um, fathers of the Haitian Revolution. So I think about, you know, I want him to know his story, his family's story. I want him to be so confident. I want him to not think twice about trying things or putting himself in spaces that um, historically people like him haven't been. But I also want him 
to wave hello to the police officer, to say sir and ma'am, to not raise his voice, to not look intimidating, right? Like Mm -hmm. being mindful of what toys do I give him so that he's not shot like Tamira Rice. It's this balance. Like you raise, you want to raise a confident person, but who also knows that you can't win in the face of white supremacy, you know? And, And that's really hard. I fight with Amir all the time. I'm like, like, why do you have to be so much? Why do you have to be yourself? <laughs> and he's like, why am I being myself? I'm like, because, you know, they want to kill you. Right. Like, God forbid you get stopped by the cops. And it's just this, like, unfortunate math that you got to do in your head. Is yeah. it worth it? Yeah. And I think it was really I feel like with you in the home, you and Amir in the home and like you like t- t- talking to Corey and bringing mm-hmm. him up through your chapter white space like mm. i was reading that and i feel like that chapter at least my personal opinion when i was reading i was like i don't really feel like i feel like this is about black space mm. like when you're talking about white space because it really that chapter really hit home to me your inf- the influence of your parents mm. and i feel like you've told this story a lot before on several podcasts about mm. your like project that made you yeah realize like uh that you don't really that you're not this world wasn't made for you in a mm-hmm. sense Mm-hmm. And like through that chapter, it kind of like you coming to, to that conclusion wasn't because like your teacher, mm-hmm. you probably had your teacher was probably great. You feel me? Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. your teacher wasn't the one that taught you through to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. It was all those conversations with your dad at home where you just wanted to know one thing about the Haiti revolution. <laughs> and he gave you the entire history. Like, bro, yeah. like I'm trying to I'm just trying to like I'm trying to read my book. You feel me? Like, <laughs> you Listen, you would not survive a day in my father's house not wanting to read. Oh, Josh, you'd be he'd have you reading the encyclopedia to bag with book reports. <laughs> no, you're true. And I love that. Yeah. What I really am talking about is black space. And I'm so intentional in my current home, right? Like I'm looking at the walls and um, this is obviously, this is a fake background, but we only have artwork in the house, artwork and photography um, by black and brown people. Right. So my son is not, he's not going to ever question whether we're artists, whether we're um you know, he's not ever going to yeah. not know who Malcolm X is, right? Like he, like me, is going to know more than the history books. Um, and that just, I would say that that's not unusual. That's like all of us have yeah. some kind of learning in the home that supplements what we get in school. Yeah, you really don't find out because that's how our house is, man. Mm-hmm. Everything up is like, it's just black people everywhere. Mm-hmm. You got the little black like uh, Christmas ornaments, like... <laughs> yeah. And, you know, no, you don't sure. really realize that like, we got like seven black Santas on the tree. Yeah, yeah. you can't tell us Santa like, wasn't black. <laughs> Joshua, what was those little like black, like a little like things that jo- mommy gets? We always broke them. What the salt shakers? They're not even well, salt shakers. Like, I don't know. They're like people. I don't know. The little nutcracker people or something like that. Yeah, they're just, like, yeah, they're just up. But then yeah. one other one other thing, though, like when you said uh, like your parents helped you your parents helped you when you like figured out yourself that like this world mm-hmm. wasn't made for you. But mm-hmm. I also realized too, that how important that is because the fact of like parents can also help their kids mm-hmm. um, realize that this, this world is made just for you. Mm-hmm. That like, it just shows how important like the home is and Absolutely. like what you're and what you are teaching your kids and what you're not teaching Absolutely. your kids. And like, yeah, like you can, Bro, like, you know, like if people, people will be at home just teaching, I don't know, just what you watching on TV may not, it's just cannot be the, 
the what news and whatever program you're watching is not the exact thing that your kid really needs to exactly have empathy and everything in the world. Bro, Joshua, you, you sure you don't like reading, bro? I know. I'm you, like, damn. You, you have annotated this book. No, but the thing that you're saying also like highlights a, a real privilege that I had, that my son has, that it sounds like you had, being able to have your family at home, having mm. your parents accessible. And that's because, you know, for me, my parents had... Um, good jobs that paid enough money that they didn't have to work three of them. Right. Yeah. They had, um, they also, um, had, didn't have a level of trauma that led them to like drinking or to not wanting to be in the home. Right. So all of these things, like, that's also what I, what my, I hope my book shows and it's in a chapter later called everything is connected that of course there's individual responsibility, right. Parents being negligent, right? There's a yeah. there's a responsibility there, but we also have to understand what are the historical and intergenerational reasons why somebody may not be at home, and a five year old has to watch the kids, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, you got three jobs, you get home, you're tired, exhausted, your feet hurt, you take a drink, you go to sleep, you don't see your kids, but one time a week, right? Like there's also a piece of that because of the <laughs> this society being so inequitable that people are forced into these positions to do what's best for their family, but ultimately neglects them and creates this cycle of trauma around not being cared for. Yeah. I want to talk to, I want to talk about how like running was really like this energizer mm. for you that kind of brought, brought us to, it was like this vehicle, like mm -hmm. it was always within you. Mm -hmm. And then you were suffering, you were struggling with that depression. And I feel like running, like really was, it allowed you to like, kind of get back to like that inner child yes. and you doing like those book reports, like, <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Is that what, is that, am I right with that a little you're, bit? You're totally right. And that's the thing, like why I talk about running so much and why I wrote this book is because I love it. And it saved my life. It continues to transform me. Any day I go for a run, like I will never regret that, even if it's the worst run of my life. Because, you know, I, I, what I say often is the minute running stops teaching me stuff, like I'll stop running. <laughs> and that, that hasn't happened yet. So running, exactly. Running reconnected me to myself. Like I had definitely lost myself, gone inward and, you know, life was difficult. And then running was this light and this energy. What has, what has running been teaching you recently as you go through life right now? Yeah, you know, running in this, in this, uh, what do people say, in this chapter of my life? <laughs> in this season. Um, in this season, that's what people say. In this season, <laughs> running is teaching me um, patience. It's, um, you know, patience with my body, patience. It's helping me have patience with just the chaos of having a three-year-old. Um, patience in terms of my schedule is packed and it always feels like I can't fit anything in, mm -hmm. but I must fit in that time for myself. Like running continues to teach me that, right? Like it's, it's a better day if I've gone for a run, if I've done some type of movement. So yeah, I mean, I sometimes laugh. I think about how, like when, before I had, before I was married, before I had my son, like how I used to think that I was too busy then. And I'm like, what, what was I doing? Busy doing what? Right. <laughs> like, so um, patience is what I'm, is what I'm being taught now. So you're saying life just gets busier and busier? Like, I Listen, feel like <laughs> not, I mean, I don't want to be like that person that's like, when you get older, but you are not busy. Okay. 
<laughs> like you haven't seen busy until you're in charge of somebody else's life. And like every day I'm like, oh my God, is this going to be like the trauma that he talks to his therapist about? Cause there's going to be something my son is going <laughs> to therapy for like, you just get busy. And the way that the two of you are headed, like your trajectory in your career, you're not going to be able to fit in like ESPN and CNN and all those things yeah. at the same time. So it's coming. <laughs> when I was at a, when I was at UTMB, I was like, dang, like this jet lag is killing me. And then like one of the, one of my coworkers who's a mom is like, once you have kids, like jet lag doesn't <laughs> even <laughs> exist no more. Like, you're you never just, rested so like yeah. it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah like time is just you know it doesn't really really matter you just got to yeah. get stuff done like yep. i'm like dang yeah that's but, that's crazy but that's also like the beautiful gift about it right like feel busy now like mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you gotta you live your life in the season that you're in and you know you'll be ready when things change i also want to hear about too like the beginning of Harlem Run, because like mm. that really, I really relate to like what y'all are, are like what y'all were like trying to do with Harlem Run. Mm -hmm. Like we're two black. That's why I was so excited for this. Like we're two mm -hmm. black grinders and we created this because we wanted to create basically a, a, a space for black people to come and athletes to share their story, a more inclusive, like mm -hmm. open space. And to see that's what you did with Harlem Run mm -hmm. and you started and then now you're doing so many mm -hmm. different things did you like did you see that coming at all <laughs> hell no i had no idea and if i had i probably would have been terrified <laughs> right <laughs> because like you uh, my life has been one of like incrementally learning the skills and being put in slash being pushed in thanks to mentors into these spaces i, I want to go to that mentor thing really quickly and, and talk about mary wittenberg who in the book, she makes a few appearances and she is like, the, the biggest thing I learned from her is um, not to be jealous of other people, right? Like, and it's hard because especially in like a social media world where everybody is sharing their thing and um, feeling like, oh, I'm not doing enough or whatever. Mary was taught me like, you just have to celebrate other people, right? Like, and you're celebrating other people. You're not doing it for this reason, but you're celebrating other people brings energy back to you. And then you get to be excited for more people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so that being, she's somebody who is, has always been truly happy for me. And I mean, she gave, she said my name, uh, New York Road Owners was looking for a new CEO. And she told me she put my name in the hat. And I was like, Mary, like you're nuts. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like with Harlem Run, I had no idea. I it really just started with this idea of wanting to create a space to share what running had been with me, with other black and brown people. And um, and then like, wow, it was actually working. And then I noticed that there were several, like seven other people who loved it as much as I did and wanted to be invested in it. And then I was like, okay, those people will be captains and pacers. And then it was like, oh, maybe like we could work with a brand to elevate what we were doing. And then it was right. So it was just this series of like, yeah. and then, and then, and then, and having, you know, all the privileges that I do have in my life in terms of education and, mm -hmm. um, you know, being strategy minded to keep it, taking it to the next level. So like with you all, I mean, 
look like look at what you've already accomplished right like it's you're at UTMB you're at you had a freaking couch at um World Athletics like you I mean when I saw you guys on stage with that ESPN dude who's a big deal I don't even remember his name I was blown away like so it's happening for you and I want to say too from from this book well thank you thank you first off I want to say from the book too I want to shout out uh, Mary Arnold I feel like yes, that was another, dope. <laughs> yes, fairy godmother. Yes. <laughs> I was like, she had the domain and was like, hey, you need this. And then it just like took off yes. from there. I feel like those, those small, like unexpected, like blessings, you know, are things that make, make things great, you know, things mm-hmm. bigger. Like that was just one, just small thing, just connected everything. Like I was like, dang, that, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful it's thing. huge because also like, I mean, there are people selling domains for thousands of dollars. Right. And that's like a moment where you just like, somebody is like, I can be helpful, you know, yeah. Ex- wanting nothing in return. And she never has. Yeah, yeah, she saw the vision. She yeah. saw the vision. And like, I think too, I don't know. I feel like, because I was like, what, 2014 ish when you had Harlem Ren? Mm-hmm. I feel like that was like, because like, I feel like running crews are just so big and maybe they were big then. Mm. But like, I just feel like they're all on social media now. Like, everybody they, knows about they, them. Yeah, it was not, it was not the same. Right. And it's like, sometimes I look, look at new clubs and crews founding starting and I love it but they'll have you know they'll post a run that they're starting for the first time and like 25 people will come and I'm like do you know how lucky you are yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we have primed the world for this like yeah. damn, I was out there like crying and begging and and it's it's wonderful. It's just one of those things like like old people are like, do you know what it was like when it, in my day? <laughs> it was a but very different climate. That's why I think it's so cool that you're writing this book because like mm. like for someone like me, it's like you're just discovering like the whole thing is like you're seeing somebody with a similar story to you mm-hmm. do these things. Like coming from my, from where I'm at, I would think you know, I would have to be like an Olympian or something mm. to have my own clothing line, mm. write a book. Yeah. Like, what, what, why would anyone want to hear about my story? Like, I didn't accomplish anything. And I think mm. that's where I think athletes can, can learn from, from Absolutely. this is the way you described running. You said it's a, you go out to run to learn, like mm. to be curious, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, as someone that, you know, tried to be a professional athlete or you're a professional athlete and you retire, sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to redevelop that relationship with mm-hmm. running mm-hmm. because like you don't run to, you're not trying to, it, it would be healthy for you to just be running to learn and try to be better, yes. but you're trying to be the, you're trying to be the best. And if you're like, yo, you know, if I'm not trying to be the best, why am I, why, why am I, I working, working out? Why am I doing anything? And it's, it's good because it's good for you. you know? Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think. Um, again, I always want to acknowledge like the privilege that I have um, in terms of education and, you know, even being like somebody who is objectively attractive, <laughs> right? Like it, there's a difference, I would say the two of you too, right? Like yeah. people, we have a much easier time um, in this world um, for better, for worse. Um, but yeah, like I also didn't think that 
regular degular. I think what Josh called me a jogger the first time we Dang, talked. That was messed up, bro. <laughs> like, that's always come back. Come on, man. Hey, so I think regular, hobby joggers. Hobby yeah, joggers you call me a hobby good. jogger. Wow. <laughs> They're good for the community. I don't, no. I don't know why that's bad. No, man. I'm, yeah, listen. Put some respect on my name. But um, but no. Under Armour sponsored athlete, bro. What you mean? Come on. I know you did have people. You had people from Italy taking pictures with you in the middle yeah. of the New York City Marathon. Like Come a random on, person. Come on, man. Like, Wait, were you in Runner's World? What? Yes. <laughs> so anyway, but no, the truth is like, you know, there are there is enough space for everyone. And I, I get frustrated when I hear this conversation. Like, of course, there are many elite athletes who are not paid what they're worth. And that is, you know, one of many issues that the industry needs to address. Um, fair pay, right? But also, there is enough money and support for non-elite athletes um, to share their experience and to be sponsored and to have opportunities, right? It's not like either or. And I talk about that in my book too. About like we tend to think that the, there's only the circle is this big for who can have stuff, but actually, like the circle can widen and more people <laughs> can have access. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would never, and, and so much of my life has been about people going out on a limb for me and supporting me. And that's why I'm really intent on like wanting to do the same for other people. Again, we're all super busy, but like, if I could just send an email or like connect you in some way, then like, let me know. And that, that honestly like reminds me of like, when you're talking about, you know, the going, running at the Boston marathon mm -hmm. and your experience there versus like. People were were mad that you you got in um, because you were like sponsored and doing this this special event, and it mm -hmm. kind of and it's like you like you're saying like you don't have to be elite. I think there's a lot of more opportunity. Like even from what you're doing, I think elite people can learn from it that are mm -hmm. underpaid for other stuff mm -hmm. that they can do to affect change or you know mm -hmm. fuel their passion. But I think about all the people at UTMB. Like not everyone there was. You know, the the top people, there were so many people that got to race there and had the privilege to get mm -hmm. there and, and mm -hmm. the money to get there. And there's a lot of like amazing, amazing stories. So like, I mean, that's one of the things with the book, like running really, there's so much opportunity to yeah. make it inclusive and get so many different type of type of people out there. And that one, that's what makes those events like so amazing and like beautiful exactly. to see. Yeah, like, you know, I, I love watching elite athletes compete. I have so much respect for them. And also, it's wonderful <laughs> when all of us get an opportunity, you know, within reason, right? We're not, like, going to go compete at the Olympics, right? But, like, in these spaces, like UTMB, like you're talking about, you know, where was the intentional thought about what athletes were showing up? Where was the intentional thought about who was covering the event from a PR, media, logistics, planning perspective, right? Like, it just so happened that like only mostly white people <laughs> showed up. Like I've heard like, you know, off the record, a friend of mine shared that this one brand sent 124 people to UTMB. Less than five were non-white. Like, wow. are you kidding me? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, and sometimes people wow. just look at DEI as a bucket or like, this is what we're doing for BIPOC athletes. No, it's, it has to be built into everything that you're doing. Who are the vendors that are working with this particular event? Who are the photographers? Who are the podcasters? Who is going to be there? Who are the influencers, right? Like, so I, again, these are the things that I hope my book 
um, encourages people to think about and talk about. As we talk more, as we talk about just, as we talk about like your career in a sense and like mm-hmm. what you're doing compared to like elite athletes and stuff, mm-hmm. do you feel like running's like in a revolution right now? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's just like becoming bigger and bigger each mm-hmm. year that like the opportunities in running are becoming like, I, I don't know. I, I, do you feel like I, it's like a revolution right now? I, I do. I actually think in, in many ways, again, I talk about this in my book, but that running is experiencing a parallel experience to the United States, right? And so whenever, whenever change is happening, there are those people who are like, no, <laughs> like running has to remain the same. Like the amount of people on Twitter talking about UTMB be- has become a spectacle. And who are all these people? And why are so many people interested? Because yeah. they loved this little esoteric thing where wealthy white people would go and do this thing, right? You can say mm-hmm. the same for so many other events, you know, like UTMB is just on our mind because it was recently... So you have those people who want to keep running white, keep running what it was. And then you have these other people who are newly awakened to these experiences, many of whom are black, indigenous people of color and are getting into it and it's exciting. And that those are the people that have that contributed to the boom during COVID-19, right? Like yeah. those are the all those new people that are like excited and trying new things. So you have this push and this pull. You have all of these innovators including yourself um, I would say Natasha Hastings also like they had their track girls show you have, mm. you know, all these influencers who are taking things to new levels and are, you know, watching all the ways that um, people were paying to watch track and field events during COVID, like all of these beautiful innovations. And you have the people that are like, no. <laughs> so it's a push in the pull. And I think what happens is that like, we'll go, um, we'll keep going like forward, back, forward, back, hopefully more forward than back but i'm i am here for it i don't i don't want running to be i don't want the industry to be the same in 20 years yeah in five years in a year like no look at every other industry is changing rapidly um so yeah we just hopefully those people change with us but if not like they'll be looking at our backs what's it like too? like because i think about when you started to where you're at now you've seen all this Mm-hmm. in front of your eyes you've been a, you've been a part of it but what's it like being in the position you're in now mm-hmm. with all of this change happen or even we could go into like the book when you're right when you're you know becoming a mom the Ahmad mm-hmm. Ebri, uh, Mohamed Aubrey thing mm-hmm. is happening and you have so many ex- you have so many experiences mm-hmm. right before that like what was it like you know I kind it kind of it's kind of like you went back to school and they were like, mm. "Yo, do you know the songs to the you know the lyrics to this Jay Z song? <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody wanted to hear from from you, like a, a black woman." Yeah, yeah, I yo, you are making such good parallels. I love that. <laughs> and you know, it's like I describe in the book, right? It's like on the one hand, I feel um, incredibly lucky that I have a platform and that people want to hear from me. That's like I don't take that for granted. Also. Um, it's exhausting and I'm not the only person, right? Like what you often see happen is that people are put on pedestals and then a few years from now, people will like take such, um, uh, such excitement in knocking me off my pedestal, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like we yeah. build people up and then we love to see them fall. Yeah. And I, I try my hardest to always be authentic and like, no, I'm like, I am a full person who says the wrong thing, who makes mistakes, who's done stupid in her past, right? Like I am not, do not put me on a pedestal. Let's be hand in hand. 
But um, but it's yeah, it, it's hard to be. Um, it be, it became exhausting to be the go to voice. And so what I did was, you know, guess what? I actually know somebody more qualified to speak about it. Guess what? This person has that experience, you know, because I also have to be mindful that um, there's the one piece of being tokenized, put on a pedestal. And then these, there's the other piece of gatekeeping. And I don't want to do that either. Right. Like I'm not the one, um, the only one who can give this information. Um and, you know, it still happens, like I'll go to events and white people love to come up and tell me about their black friends or their black, you know, their daughter married a black guy or they listen to this. And, you know, it's just, at this point, it's just funny. I'm like, wonderful. You <laughs> know, you. a black person that is <laughs> you're doing it. <laughs> uh, to the, like, yo, like, I feel that, though. I think I really liked your chapter chapter about reframing. Mm. like that is so like healthy i learned a lot i learned a lot from just reading mm. that but like it's just an inch, i don't even know how to describe it. it's interesting it's like you know whoever some people follow me like i made that post and like when i first when that first happened you know what i mean it was so ridiculous i was like oh whatever you know I'll keep it going you know but then yeah like i said in the post i was just real like i was like yo like i want to make this photo dump but i'm not gonna not include this mm -hmm. but the reason i didn't want to make it or I didn't want to say nothing. It's because I didn't want that. You know, I didn't mm. want the text. I'm so sorry. Like, mm. yo, da, 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 da. like, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's like, and it's like, I'm not trying to be mad at that person for feeling something. But like from reading your chapter, what I learned is like, no, it's like, I don't have to be mad. I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at how like the system in this world, like exactly affects them. But it's just like, they might truly be upset about this they you know or they don't know how to respond this is what am i what do i want them to say you yeah. know so yeah. I, I think that has helped me like learn like mm -hmm. how i don't know i feel like some of these things as as like black people in these spaces too it's like you learn it without knowing you're learning you're doing this thing mm -hmm. these things to like protect you but mm -hmm. Yeah, I just kind of went off on a tangent, but I really liked that that part yeah. of the chapter, that chapter. No, I'm I'm so glad because it's true. Like, so reframing is all about. Um, I think this is a chapter where I talk about. You know, I'm like, do I hate white people or do yeah. I hate yeah. white, white supremacy? Right? Because in the in the example you give, like, it is really frustrating when white people are turning to you as the only or like apologizing for you know some murder over here, and you're just like, leave me alone, right? Um, but you also, so what I've understood for myself is that I'm not, I, I don't hate white people. What upsets me is this whole system that prioritizes white people that, you know, that teaches white people that the only, that they can either be good or bad. Right. And mm -hmm. not that racism is not about being good or bad. It's about buying into a system. And I think that's, I hope this chapter is helpful for um, black and brown people, but also for white people to understand that when we're upset about things and when we're saying things, we're not saying you, white person, are bad. We're saying the system that prioritizes you is what's bad. And that's what we want to change. And we want you to be upset about that too, because guess what? White supremacy isn't good for you either. You know what I mean? Yeah. So thank you. I'm so glad that that, that is landing. No, yeah, most definitely. I I think everybody should buy that book, like for that chapter. Like, yeah, that chapter was fire. Like, Thank yeah, you. it really. I don't even want to get into like all of it. 
just where people can like read it for the first time and like have yeah. that realization on their their own and stuff mm -hmm. like that and like mm -hmm. feel and feel everything but then one thing i want to talk about like just from the book in general mm -hmm. is that did you i didn't i didn't get to read this get to this chapter mm -hmm. but like the unbearable whiteness of running mm -hmm. wasn't mm -hmm. wasn't that originally yes like your book title yes so what went into but like as i was reading like definitely like the white space and like mm -hmm. that chapter reframing i'm all like it makes sense like mm -hmm. to have the book be titled this because that is like that that is not a that's a uh, over not a I don't want to call it an issue but an overwhelming mm -hmm. topic like mm -hmm. surrounding this entire book but like yeah yeah you know it was um so you're right the initial title was the unbearable whiteness of running and as I was working on the book and as the book became more of a personal memoir and my story became more central I realized that what I'm talking about in this book is really my experience running while black living while while black right and I wanted to give um, I wanted this to be a book, even though we're talking about whiteness, that centered us, that told our mm -hmm. experiences, that gave, opened a window for people into what at least one Black woman experiences moving through this world. And part of that experience is experiencing how unbearable whiteness could be. So I just thought it was a way to mm -hmm. reframe <laughs> and yeah. actually center myself rather and us rather than whiteness mm. no, that's, that's, yeah that's deep yeah i like that because mm -hmm. i feel like you know not this is just off the top so i didn't think yeah. about it too much but like yeah i feel like the unbearable whiteness of running would make it almost like a white fragility in a way exactly you know? like that exactly. would make the major audience like white people as in white fragility but then exactly. running while black like makes it makes it because even like i don't know i when i read the book i feel like you're you're you talking about like home mm -hmm. in this in your book and like your family and you kind of made you made uh Harlem run feel like home mm. you know like when you went to other group like, but I'll just say I'll just put it like that you made Harlem run feel like home like how mm -hmm. it was when you go to Harlem and when you go mm -hmm. and you pass by all these people and people nod at you that's how you made it feel mm -hmm. and so like I was able to understand that because like mm -hmm. that's how when I do go to a family dinner with my with my family, mm -hmm. like it feels it feels welcoming, you know, yep, exactly. But other places doesn't feel as welcoming. And that's not it's not even like they're not. That's just low key to nature, like in a way. It well, that's is. the culture, right? That's also a piece that I talk about around. And I'm not going to go too much into it because to your point, I want people to discover it. But there are differences between black culture, even between African-American culture and Caribbean culture, but certainly white culture. Right. Mm. And there's a lot of, um, you know, white culture, I'll say the, and I say it in the book, a lot of it is like a coldness and a separateness. And it, oh my God, it reminds me of that. Uh, what is it? Key and Peel episode where um, one of them, uh, I guess Peel, Jordan Peel is a, a Barack Obama oh, and yeah, he's yeah, shaking yeah. hands with people and he's shaking yeah. hands with the white people. like, yes, yes. And the black people was like, yo, and they dap up. Like, I mean, is he lying? <laughs> <laughs> yo. Yeah. Not for real. That, that, that part, that part is good. That part is yeah. good. I look for, I got what I was going to say, but I, you guys go, you guys need to go read it and, and you guys need to go read it and read that part through. Oh, um, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It was like, you're because oh, whiteness, whiteness yeah 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 of mm -hmm. running like you're not uh i don't feel like you're here like you're not here to like to teach mm -hmm. to, to teach you right. know like you're right. telling your story like you're right. not teaching like all right this is how 
white people, you guys need to stop being more unbearable and everything like this. Like, like you, you just said exactly. it. It's not about you. It's about the system that you've been brought up to and everything. And you should be mad at this. So I think the way that you laid it out and people being able to experience your story and you running wild black, it's, it's, I think there, I think it's going to be a way that anybody's going to be able to ingest this, you know? Yeah. I want to bring you on tour with me, man. Like you, <laughs> you are such a reader and you got it. <laughs> no, I still don't like to read though, to be honest. I, you know, I do, I'll do it for the work though. You know, I'll do it. I'll do it for, for the cousin, for big sis, you know? I appreciate that. You're going to get into running. I mean, you're going to get into reading after you read this book, bro. I, I doubt that, but you know, you know, pray for me. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put up, I'll put on my vision board. <laughs> but re- really, the whole book to me is is a journey. It's mm. a it's a whole journey. So like, I mean, those are the best reads. Mm. Like to be honest, and there's just so much growth throughout the book. And uh, yeah, I definitely didn't feel like it was teaching either. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was just just reading a story about an amazing woman, but. I want to talk as we I think we're getting closer to we're getting closer to the end. So let's mm-hmm. close out a little bit. Um, but I'm like, man, like you you like you are you're a, you're a mogul. You're a mogul at this point, <laughs> you know, all the things. I, just, I need mogul money. But yes, thank you. <laughs> hey, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like you are. I feel like you've created a new space. Like mm. you've created a new space in renting. You've created a new um I don't know if the word is standard, but like mm. something that people can reach for mm. to be like and doing like, I don't know that many people that do as many different things as you in the running community. But I guess my question is just more so like, you know, 10, 15, like, what do you imagine? Like, do you have a, a goal in particular on something you want to do? You know, that's a really good question. And it's like, um, it's actually even hard for me to think about because I am getting to do so many things. I guess, you know, 10, 15 years from now, I want my impact to be even deeper and greater. Right. And I guess like the only person who I could think of is like Oprah. When I think about her trajectory and, um, you know, starting, I want to be the person that's making the decisions I want to have, I mean, I could do this TV show forever and I hope I can. Um, I hope it's on a bigger platform. I get, I hope I get to travel with it and meet people across the world doing incredible things. You know, I'm, I'm already interested. I'm already working in like policy and decision-making around running. Um, Maybe that leads to me um, being somehow more politically involved, right? Like I just, I hope that I continue to get to be in all these different spaces but having a deeper impact and like always being connected to bring other people up, right? Like mm-hmm. who else is in this space and who like, if only I just sent that email, I could connect them to where they want to be or need to be. You know, I, I want mentorship to be a huge part of my role. Um, yeah. Because listen, if everybody can get moving the world will be a much better place in terms mm. of in my story, running opens me up to the power of mental health. So therefore I started going to counseling. I started seeking treatment. I started looking at my body differently. Um, I started pushing myself for new opportunities, right? Like I started feeling a sense of connection. So movement is such a powerful 
vehicle for people. And I just want to be somebody pressing that message in a bigger way. Yeah, I think it's it's crazy you got a TV show, man. I think, <laughs> I hey. Yo, who are you telling? <laughs> and that, the premiere is supposedly December 1st. So coming hey we'll put in the good word for oprah for you thank she's, you she's the homie now you know we got on thank the, you. <laughs> we'll put in the good word for oprah, oprah for you but i would I was, appreciate that i was wondering um do you i, I bet you don't care about this but like, i was mm. reading the book and i just a question came to me like you think any new york run groups are going to be uh offended mm. about what you were saying like mm. I, don't, I don't like you went to you to describe you got to get spicy huh yeah i run groups specifically this one run group they were shouting obscenities you feel me on the mayor's lawn jumping up i was like oh, oh. i don't want to know who that was listen first I'm just of all curious, I when they're reading this book they're gonna be like oh wait hold on hold on <laughs> i was talking to me like this i'll say this the people who um I really care about and who I have continued relationships with, they already are aware of what's written about them. Okay. Um, there are other people who, um, who I still care about, but who don't know and who may be surprised at my takes on them, but two things, one, it's anonymous. Um, two, what I'm sharing is my lived experience and maybe it'll prompt them to think differently about how they see their space. The same could be true if somebody wrote a book about um, what their experience was like coming to Harlem Run or coming to another thing and they didn't like it. Like I didn't. The goal is not to shame folks again, like which is why there's no names. And um, mm -hmm. the goal is really just to make people think differently and have different perspectives. And I hope this message is clear that I am not without flaws. I am not without mistakes and no one is. But each of these moments can be a learning, right? And that group that was like shouting up and down and screaming obscenities, that group has come such a long way. And I actually, maybe this will give away, give it away, but I continue to work in partnership with this group and with the co-founders. So, um, yeah, I mean- They'll probably laugh at it then. Yeah, probably some, be and, at and it. some people like will be a little salty. Guess what? I'm a little salty about stuff too. So- <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's yeah, I think that's really interesting, though, just to the fact of like there's a book about like I, I, there may be other books about it, but there's like a mm -hmm. book about like New York running crew mm -hmm. culture and you get to see somebody's perspective. Yeah, about I don't it. think like, there is. Yeah, I don't think there is. And like, you know what I would love also, like if I could have a book where um, and maybe I'm not the right person because I have opinions, but like somebody who comes in and actually documents run crew culture. Right. Yeah. Starting in New York going to London, going to all these places, like we need that book. Cause if we don't tell this story, who's going to tell it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's dope. Like a first kind of a first of its kind. And mm -hmm. I think can develop to other people. That person that was pissed off in this book is like, I'm going to write my own, you know, film me. You know? Exactly. Let's hear it. I'm here for it. <laughs> and then another question I want to ask as we close out too, I seen you interviewed Wyoming Matthias. We got mm. to go see, we yes. got to go see the legacy of speed with like, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, yes. he's interviewing Wyoming Matthias, uh, John Carlos, Tommy Smith, and Otto Bolden. Mm -hmm. And so, what was just the experience of like for you to interview Wyoming mm -hmm. Matthias? That's that's mm -hmm. pretty. That's a dope opportunity as well. She, she's so awesome. She gave me this um, players card with her signature on it. So cool. It's oh, like cool. this. Yeah, it's somewhere. Probably who knows? Corey has it at school. But <laughs> what I think is so powerful about Wyoming is that um, I see so much of 
myself in her. And, um, you know, she was such a fighter. She was one thing that I took from that podcast I listened to that, you know, people would ask her, like, what did she think about what Tommy did or John or this or this and that? And she was like, you know, I did this for me. Like, this was my way of showing my activism. And she didn't use these words, but she couldn't care less what other people did, right? Like, she wasn't worried about other people. She was worried about herself and how she showed up and what, you know, what impact she was going to make. And that's that's so powerful for me because, again, you can get so caught up in other people and who said this and who didn't pay attention to me and this and this and that. And she was living in a time where, I mean, she had those back-to-back Olympics and, like, had no sponsorship, had no uh, endorsements. Like, can you imagine how much yeah. of how much bigger she could have been, how much money, opportunity she deserves. Um, So I just, interviewing with her was so powerful. I'm lucky I consider her a friend. I'm gonna send her some of my new collection because she inspired that too. And I will never not say Wyoming's name. Like everybody needs to know it. Most definitely, most definitely. And she got a lot of energy, right? Man, that woman, like, She's my mom's age. She's in her 80s, and like you would never know. I ain't. I didn't even realize she's in there. No. She does not look like she's in her 80s. Yeah, she's um, she's powerful. She's somebody who has significantly changed the game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. People. More, more people need to know her name. And more mm-hmm. people need to say her name, like you said. Like not forget the mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. impact that she was able to make, and you know, uh, people didn't realize the impact that she was making. But mm-hmm. you know, so definitely definitely powerful powerful stuff but uh aaron is that all is that all you got bro is that all you got is that all we got for the the pod this was wonderful like i'm so glad that we got to connect about this and i hope that like i keep coming back and i keep being the most podcasted person (laughs) (laughs) interviewer on your your show (laughs) yeah we always gonna we always gonna need you on the pod i mean you always doing so many things so i'm sure we're gonna stay connected you know what i mean absolutely Uh, if you ever if you ever need somebody to you know uh interview interview you in between the chapters of an audiobook in the future you know what I'm saying? And i know where to go yeah you know where to go <laughs> two two black runners publishing coming soon i'm dead listen i don't know if you're joking but i see a lot a lot for you you know that like i'm yeah, just yeah. i'm here to hype you because y'all are great so thank you but everybody go pre-order it right now joshua when are you gonna drop this pod though uh first week of october first week of, okay it's the first okay. week of october it's, it drops october 17th i'm it might be incorrect right uh, the 18th october 18th, 18th. october yeah. 18th y'all pre-order this go get it it's gonna be the biggest running book y'all ever I'll, once a runner running with the buffaloes no nah, bro running forget while em. black forget them ah! running while black <laughs> go get that go get that that's right thank you available wherever you buy books and on audible as well Appreciate you, Allison. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, bros.